Do I have talent, Dad? Of course you have talent. You got all the talent in the world. Can I be a baseball player? You can be anything you want to be. Remember, the saddest thing in life is wasted talent. You can have all the talent in the world, but if you don't do the right thing, then nothing happens. But when you do right, guess what? Good things happen. You hear me? You're right. Let's go for that ice cream. Yeah, good. Testing. Testing, one, two, three. All right. Take two, since I was just talking for a few minutes with the mic unplugged. Greetings, hope everybody is well. Hope you're maintaining dealing with the ongoing COVID-19 situation, our present day pandemic. Hope you're doing everything that you need to do to stay healthy, to stay mentally sharp, and just um, emotionally on top of everything that is going on right now. It's a very heavy time in the world on many fronts and um i don't know about you but i'm definitely trying to be as um proactive as i can in trying to manage the different emotions that come with this being proactive doesn't necessarily mean doing a whole bunch of things activity wise but just making it a point to keep my mental well-being my emotional state as something that I'm on top of and you know trying to maintain as positive as possible uh, again before I go on any further thanks for taking the time to to listen to me this is another edition of who's listening it's my little audio corner of the internet my little um my little podcast closet so to speak where I talk about the things that are affecting me the things that are affecting society and hopefully in my chatter and my rambling I will say something that connects with somebody if at the very least just to let them know that hey other people are going through it too and through that to potentially you know connect and strengthen and you know just touch somebody in some way this is actually a bit of a extended issue up upcoming um a few issues actually have hit the deck since the last recording so um this episode might be a little bit lengthier just because it's a lot of matters that need to be touched on start with the the covid situation as it is right now it's wild because, you know, I think some of the initial shock that came with the situation back in March, you know, the idea of things being shut down and stores being closed and people being told to stay home from work. That was just so insane and unfathomable at the time. People didn't know what to make of it. Everybody was running to the store, buying up stuff. You couldn't get your toilet paper, your paper towels. Lots of food it was just gone off the shelves from that, you know, mid-March to late-March space. And then during the course of April, things started to kind of level out, not in terms of the disease, but how people were reacting to it again. You know, people are creatures of habit. So as this starts to set in and we're like, all right, we see what this is looking like. The fact that those essential functions still kept running. Now, food is pretty much steady and constant. Although I think people might want to look about their stock of um, of meat products. Feel like you might have a little bit of a drop off in that going into the summer. But that's just my opinion. But overall, you go to your stores, you're going to find what you need for the most part right now at a point where it's much more about navigating the lines the the social distancing elements that are being implemented at various um, locations that you have to manage more so than whether items you need are available what seems to be the 
current matter now is various cities, counties are starting to talk about reopening, soft reopenings for certain areas. And, you know, every state, every city thinking about this has its own metric and its own system as to which areas should be preparing to open up soon, which are still a bit off. And that's, you know, that's a matter of number, density of the virus. Is the area trending upwards? Are you leveling off? Are you trending down? Using New York as the example for me, the place that I pay attention to in conjunction to PA where I am now. Upstate New York is probably looking to be opening up relatively soon. They have a much lower number of cases. Obviously, the the makeup of the population thins out a bit as you head up north into um, upstate New York and then things start to trend upwards as you head south. So once you hit Westchester, where I'm from, obviously people know New Rochelle is what had the first real wave hit. That's been pretty manageable ever since then. You're not hearing too much news about New Rochelle at this point. And then obviously from New Rochelle, you hop from suburb to the, to the city. And those numbers seem to be starting to trend downwards, but they're still high just because you know, the population size overall. And one of the conversations that's happening is, you know, is this proper? And I'll be honest, I don't think businesses need to be rushing to open up, but I understand the way this nation works. You're only going to be able to keep certain places closed for so long unless you're just going to completely put them out of business. I do also believe there might be a degree of um, sinister motive to this. You know, people are talking about cities, especially um, cities with very sizable black populations being directed to go back to places that we heavily congregate. When you talk about hair salons and barbershops and things, and it's almost like Y'all be the guinea pigs. Let's run a few people out and see what happens and then get back to the population. Though it seems on the flip side that we're generally staying in place. But, you know, a lot of white folks seem to be out in droves into these parks and places and whatnot. So, I mean, we'll see what happens. It is not going to surprise me if we're hit with a second wave of this just because people are a little too anxious to get back out there and get around people. I personally can't lie. Um, The isolation of this um, pandemic is very stressful, which is funny because in speaking about this before, I've spoken on the fact that my life was highly isolated before this, but at least there was still the option to go out and socialize and see people, you know, it might not be everyone that crossed my mind, but I at least knew, Hey, first and foremost, I was getting my son back to New York to see my folks who, you know, love and miss him dearly. And then, you know, I, I'd catch the people that I would catch when I was back home, but to not even have the option and just be here is, it is stressful at times. I'm not even gonna lie. You have you know up days, down days. I um I had an unexpected Zoom link up with a friend I hadn't uh, really chatted with in a while, which was you know which was cool. Just again to connect and chat and and catch up again. You do what you gotta do to um to keep your mind right. That's really the part that I think is going to get a lot of people. I think for the most part, food supplies, you know, I don't think people are out there starving. Again, I'm only speaking from my perspective. I know there are people whose situations might be dire, people who aren't in a position to work and bring in income. So they're seeing issues completely different. 
from what's happening on my end. But, um, you know, the, the mental element of this, the emotional element of this, you know, as, as people were being pulled from what is naturally our, um, our existence and our usual behaviors. And, you know, I could tell that can take a toll on people. And now we're starting to inch closer to summer. You know, the weather is going to be steadily getting better. And I'm, I'm curious how folks are going to conduct themselves when, you know, 70 and 80 degree weather starts becoming the norm. Besides the fact you're not going to want to have all these people sitting inside with air conditioners running all day. That's going to be a an infrastructure issue for some town cities at certain points. But, you know, I'm not going to jump that far ahead and hopefully things will improve as time goes along again just the the hope that somehow they could get on top of this testing is really is what i'm looking for the minute i could get really go get some some testing to see where i stand i could then start to coordinate things a little bit better but um yeah interestingly enough there was a um now it's about a week, week and a half ago, two weeks ago, I spoke with USA Today, and the conversation was about single parenting, co-parenting during the pandemic. I had a real nice conversation with um, with the reporter from USA T- USA Today. Some of our conversation was um, included in a video feature that's on the site. You know, it's um, it's definitely something I didn't ever think was going to be a part of my parenting journey but you know I'm gonna take care of Max no matter what so it's tough it is emotional it is tiring but it has to be done so I'm gonna do it and with that said Let's dive into some of the issues that have been hitting us over the head the past couple of weeks. And um, let's talk about it. So I'll say about two weeks have passed since the initial situation was brought to light. And I will say something off top, which is interesting, but not surprising because I knew how a lot of things were going to play out, not simply in regards to this matter, but also just in regards to people and how people react to things, especially with everything else that's going on in the world. Anyone that is familiar with me knows that I have been a supporter, a champion, and an outgoing advocate for the Henny Palooza movement, now known as Duce Palooza. So I go into this matter fully honest, fully transparent that that brand, that collective, and especially its head, its creator, Cam, has built up so much respect and goodwill in my personal perspective that it was heartbreaking hearing this news when it started to hit the internets. But at the same time, I'm very much a believer that you have to be honest, you have to keep consistent energy during the good and the bad of things so Duce Palooza the nation nation spanning hip hop party movement that captivated so many people of you know of my generation that came up on the 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 house party block party 
classic hip hop vibes and their ability to reignite that type of energy, which, you know, put them in the, the scope and the eyes of, of Rock Nation to take what was, you know, a basement jam into one of the biggest functions in the country. I've spoken about it as a shining example of what entrepreneurship within hip-hop is possible of a shining moment for the resurgence of a new party culture within New York and just the ability of so many talented individuals all with other things in their own right popping off on a major scale to be able to function and come together to pull this off so many times through whatever growing pains may have taken place behind the scenes to still win on such a massive level. But unfortunately, again, about two weeks ago, we started seeing claims, charges, accusations being brought against one of the main members of the group, Mr. Chris Stiles, from the various women in regards to deeply inappropriate sexual actions, sexual assault, some of through the word rape out. And it's always one of those things that when a woman puts that in the air is interesting. There's usually a portion of people who automatically take the claim, look at the person and try to figure out, is there something to gain in making that claim to thus discredit it? I'm of the belief that generally speaking, a woman doesn't gain much by putting this into the, into the air, into the public. So yeah, the, Legal system says innocent until proven guilty, and I generally believe that as well. But I also have to take into account, you know, reality and, and context. And maybe one claim you stand and say, hmm, maybe, maybe not, especially if the person being charged also says, hey, this isn't what happen to that degree because everybody has their different side and perspective of a situation once the accounts start rolling in on a multiple basis and now it's various women many without direct relation to each other letting on to the same story same theme same type of activities then have to stop and think okay something happened that's usually how i take a look at it like hey it might not be 100 percent what she said but it's definitely not 100 percent what he said either something happened and as a betting man there's probably something that happened that wasn't right might not have been right might not have been assault but it was definitely inappropriate action a lot of words um like coercion were put forward and i could understand this because even being so far removed from that game now i know what comes with that party scene as people were brought up within a society there's a normal function, a structure that we operate in and certain things and certain people exist within a space that to the youth and even to many people who grow into and out of their youth is viewed as cool. The person that is either directly a part of or connected to something cool can gain influence, can gain power. And it's interesting just how far some people could work that connection to their benefit. 
to the point that they might not themselves even really have any direct power or say so in the situation. But because they know the person, they're the man of the man of the man, they finesse that into something. I go back to my days of marketing, street promo. I was never the person, actually, let me not say that, for the bigger aspects of what I was doing, where the majority of my money was coming from, I wasn't throwing any of those parties. I was working them. I was part of the team that set the parties up, but you weren't going to catch my name on any of those flyers. That was, you know, after I started to establish myself and there were little events under that that would be thrown okay cool but the majority of the stuff that put me in and around known athletes known musicians performers entertainers my name was never on anything but people knew oh he works with so and so he's a part of this he has access to and even with me, as low-key and humble as I am, and strictly about the business, the networking, the knowledge, the money, I'd be lying to you if being, being what, a, a sophomore going into my junior year of college, there wasn't an ego boost, there wasn't an increase of influence and power even being able to run around my hometown having the keys to any party any club any lounge that was going on being a guy that could you know tap the bouncer say hey you take care of them being able to go in and speak to the speak to the you know the, the bartender at a at a specific spot hey what up what's good you, t you take care of her again hip-hop coming up at the time being the 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 cool things that emerged from the the streets to mainstream being a part of that scene to any degree got you clout that's just a fact being connected to the party scene, having the access, having the keys to the party got you clout and influence and a degree of power for whatever reason. Now being an adult tapping on 40, is, it sounds weird, but yet it doesn't when you think about the world that we live in and the people that are propped up and put on the highest pedestals. More people know athletes musicians and entertainers that know teachers professors government officials as that's part of the celeb worship that we were brought up on and all this trickles down and comes back from that again for me it really started out as as a side hustle because i was still working regular jobs while i was doing the industry stuff i was literally at the time Going to school for my degree, coming out of school, working a couple hours at a regular part-time job. And when the part-time job got done, hop in the truck, link up with the guys, and head downtown. And maybe depending on the schedule, because then it was part-time, maybe it was straight from school down to Manhattan. Whatever, whatever it might be that I needed to do to get my money. So running around with... My truck full of posters for a Rick Ross album or shout out to Rob Love. Maybe he's got me with a rat promo van. So I'm actually at my part time job with a Def Jam vehicle in the in the parking lot. Again, I'm keeping it regular for me because it's work. But the questions and the thoughts and like the reality is you had to tell people, hey, I don't know any of these people. This is just me working. This is a this is a job, but the the glitz and the glamour that people affiliate with that world and to have anybody even remotely close with, "Oh, you going to Def Jam today? Can you can you get like I'm 
I ain't gonna see no Jay-Z. I'm not gonna see X like that. The interesting thing is the actual meeting and interacting with many of these people didn't take place within the direct music side. When I'd be there, it came within the party side. That's where you saw people. That's where you spoke to people. That's where you actually cross paths with a lot of these individuals. So bringing it back to the original storyline of somebody potentially taking advantage of newfound fame, attention, influence, power, yeah. If I could think of all the regular local people who came up and probably, actually not even probably, acted badly towards women off of the ego trip that came from being the club guy in their town, I can only imagine the feeling of going from doing something locally that's popping off, doing something that stretches from your borough through the entire city that starts popping off to multiple cities, a few international stops. I still look at Toronto as one of my favorite Paloozas that I ever attended to now all of a sudden being on the radar of of Jay-Z and Rock Nation like the feeling must be amazing so then it becomes a matter of self-control once that kicks in once that sets in once that's a reality hey we've made it to this level do you have the self-control do you have the ability to temper your ego to not do things that are inappropriate or wrong because you may feel you have the ability to do so and get away with it. Again, I I use my personal experience because I know I've seen it. I can only think back and again, this isn't there's two sides. There's knowing things, hey, what would certain people do for access? And what would certain people do with the people who have that decision-making power to get that access? You know, groupie culture, and I'm not using this to reference the people um, in the Palooza situation, but just generally speaking, <clears throat> groupie culture is a thing. Humans, male and female, will do things for access to what they deem is important people who are deemed important in that space can get away with things that maybe just off the strength of themselves and their personalities maybe they wouldn't get that and again it goes back to your self-control because i know for a fact there are many people that the lights the ego the uh, the attention of some ladies is too much for them and it destroys the trajectory of their business because they can't focus. I worked for a gentleman who so often spoke to us about a label position that he was jockeying and positioning himself for. And the conversation always used to be, yo, when this so-and-so record deal goes through, we're gonna be good. And everybody could quit their jobs and we could do this full time, etc., etc. And the first couple times it sounded nice. But after a while, you started to see the pattern of the individual and you knew you're not going to get that. You're not going to get that because you don't have the self-control. You don't have the focus. You are putting other things ahead of the business. And that was cemented while at this particular record label and you know the gentleman the the, the the top dude that we were connected to said hey he's never going to get that role because he can't say no to women that attention from you know those type of people because i'm not going to act like they don't exist was too much for him to be able to focus on the main goal and this is talking about a grown man so now you scale back and you've got younger folks coming up in and around the the mecca of entertainment and media 
how much success, how much newfound clout can you give people and they not screw up. The claims and charges against the, um, against the gentleman on the Palooza team, it's not the first time this has happened. Party culture, promotion culture has always been dirty and slimy towards women on various levels. Whether it's the, you know, whether it's girls who go in there and are taken advantage of without any misleading conduct conduct or anything of their own to people who go in there and literally play that game and are like, hey, I'm going to use what I got to get what I want. Like there's there's two sides of that. But in this case, it was heartbreaking to hear these women share stories of disrespect, of ill treatment, of aggressive action and there's probably more stories than I read because I only I looked at a couple I wasn't fishing through all of them um, there were statements put out from Rock Nation and Palooza severing ties with Styles he has made statements some in regards to apologies and admitting to wrong acts nothing is out there in in detail to say what was done what wasn't done clearly there's issues out there in which so many people making claims you know who's going to be able to say amongst 40 charges what really happened but like i said something did happen and it's important because with power does come great responsibility and in seeing people who have been our peers people you have rubbed shoulders with done business at the same events and functions with rise up and gain power and influence you have to be able to wield that properly because it's opportunity that doesn't come to everybody and when you get it you don't want it to be looked at like man these guys had the world in their hand and fumbled it over trying to get some ass, you know what I mean? Um, it extends further than that because this is really another level of the Me Too situation and where women feel that their success and their ability to achieve and ascend in business and career get stifled and tied to men who again want to use their position and their influence to gain access to these women in exchange for them gaining access to professional achievement. The Palooza situation was one thing but then it led to other charges and claims coming out and probably the biggest one the one which from what I see is definitely at least on one instance, a rape matter. This gentleman goes by the name of Blogzilla. Media personality, black man, does a lot of work with TV shows, movies, interviews, actors, athletes, celebrities, you know, um, most known and affiliated with um, the Simmons site Global Grind. And a number of people came out speaking about situations where they were looking for new business, new career advancement, and came in connection to Blogzilla thinking, okay, cool, this guy's got connections, this guy is on, this guy is is moving up, he is someone that could be helpful. And apparently... That professional introduction, you know, it's always the same thing. The 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 hope for professional advancement gets you in the door, gets you the initial connection. And then the man who holds the power, holds that advice, holds that, again, influence, uses it against a woman to basically put her in a position of, hey, 
how badly do you want it? Stepping completely out of the field of respect and professionalism and now becomes, hey, let's talk about business over food and drinks. Hey, why don't you come here with me? We could talk business. It's, it's always the let's talk business as the lore to get into spaces that could be easily social, personal, potentially romantic, all of which creates high levels of distrust and discomfort for the women. So, you know, a number of women shared stories with Blogzilla, one which it was a weird story, I'll be honest. And again, I don't expect people to put every single detail in a Twitter story, but also if that's where the story is being told, that's where you have to take it from. But the last story I read somehow was one that resulted in a woman who spoke about turning down his advances and turning down various invites to things when she realized that his intentions were no longer professional but trying to move into the personal it somehow ending up in a hotel room together and you know the morning after not necessarily knowing what happened like there there there's a lot of information missing in the story so that's why even as i speak now i'm not here to charge anybody but you kind of have to be realistic, put two and two together and realize again, something that wasn't professional took place. Something is not right. And it's unfortunate because it's so many of these, you know, whether it's the Palooza situation with the parties or whether it's, you know, the, the, the business, the, the growth of hip hop culture in most of these situations it is our women it's black women that push and champion and support and elevate whatever is being done to those higher levels it is very few of our businesses that take off solely off the strength of women i'm sorry solely off the strength of men a business without the the support of women does not succeed i've seen that in the party spaces I've seen it in the travel spaces. I've seen it in social media. Most of the biggest voices, influencers, creators of things that not only get hot for a moment, but become staples, become mainstays in social media, you know, come from black women. So. It's frustrating to hear this, and it's it's a thing where I'm like, okay, if you tell me that inappropriate behavior has taken place at a party, you know, a party where the signature element is essentially unlimited, unlimited alcohol, I wouldn't look at you crazy, regardless of, you don't even have to put a name to the event, because as I've written and talked about, Palooza was basically at the the head of a new wave of independently thrown functions and for people um for people who want to look for some context you could go back um please let my memory be straight i believe it was um the bourbon ball again um and i believe the gentleman went uh, he goes by a name of corn and there were a series of accusations and charges pressed against him in regards to his party being the um you know facilitating some very inappropriate um sexual charges and accusations against people so again these spaces are not foreign to this type of activity and this is also part of you know the makeup and the putting together of it, the presence of security, and again, making people feel feel safe. So, you know, to hear this, unfortunately, isn't a shock. You know, I've seen men try to get out of pocket with women 
at clubs, at parties, and you don't get thrown on their thrown on their faces. But does every single thing that happens get caught? Does everything happen in the party itself? Maybe that's where it starts. That's where it sets up. That's where the the meeting happens, and unfortunately, it goes places afterwards, away from the function. Then again, maybe sometimes things do happen at the functions then themselves. It kind of all goes back to one thing. How do we view, respect, and treat our women? Especially those of us that succeed. Treating people right is and should be the default action, regardless of what your position is, whether you're successful business CEO or a sanitation worker, but especially when you come up and you get to a place of, of respect and you now have eyes on you as someone who represents something who is an example of something that could be not so much emulated, but, you know, look up to as a, a, a blueprint for success. Hey, see what they did. You could do this and more. You don't have to be restricted by what the current status quo and system is telling you. Behaving badly is a human trait no one's going to be perfect but there are some things that speak to the the character of people so something happens you know a one-time event depending on the degree of what goes on do you seek help do you seek to rectify a situation because you know there's degrees and levels to the acts that people do this comes from speaking to some women about it you know some people will look at some things more severely than others you know and that is for the the women involved to decide what is what and then you have to you know act appropriately but we constantly get reminders of the things that women have to go through and the things that they quite frankly, put up with and why many of them are done with us as men and you can't really knock it. The same way I feel like as black people as a whole, you, you get to a point where you're just tired of dealing with the BS that comes from other people in, this, in the society. You break it down. Women and especially black women have every reason to tap out of engaging with a lot of people because of what they deal with so you know when this came out I said I hope that everybody who has an issue has a story is able to first find peace and where it's applicable justice for the situation I said hey let's be honest this is not going to make major waves in terms of media, in terms of coverage. You've got a pandemic that has a grip on the country and the world in many spaces. The Palooza franchise at the moment is at a standstill because it's based around large collectives of people in close quarters coming together. Who knows when the next Palooza event can even take place? If that, this is going to catch fire in the moment. A lot of things came out within that couple of days to week span. Again, you're two weeks out. I'm not really hearing much of anything. It's It takes a particular type of person to hold on to something and continue to push it and make it live beyond the general attention span of the public so i mean i continue to kind of check up on things and see for updates and see what's going to happen but the collective consciousness has already moved on but i say please don't move on anytime a woman brings an issue to light it deserves the respect she deserves the in integrity to make sure that 
wherever needed, something is done to handle that. And, you know, we all we all have to be better because if you're looking at the world and what we're dealing with right now, if we really can't have the the love and support of each other as black men, black women, and then as, you know, as extension, other people of color in the grand scheme of things, we're never going to get anywhere. Another story unfolding this evening. There's growing outrage over chilling video showing the deadly shooting of an unarmed black man in Georgia. Two white men, a father and son, both with guns, confronting him while he was jogging. There were no arrests at the time. Now, two and a half months later, the DA is now sending the case to a grand jury. Right now, the climate that we're in is very unstable. And in a time where people are reeling from the effects of the pandemic, unemployment numbers skyrocketing, with people not knowing when jobs are going to return to any level of consistent functionality, people not knowing when mobility will return to them in terms of socializing, interacting with loved ones, family members they haven't been able to see for a couple months now because of the strict quarantine and stay home rules. I think the people collectively have a very short fuse for the BS. So when an almost buried story from two months ago surfaces about Ahmad Aubrey, young black man who was gunned down while jogging in his neighborhood by two white men, a father-son duo, a father who um, apparently is a former police officer, investigator in that area. It surfaces and I see the responses that we usually give when things like this happen. We get outraged, we get frustrated, we get sad, depressed. Everybody looks for something they could do to show support. You see the expected groups and organizations make statements and it's almost sad that I can run through the list of things that are going to happen in this situation but the one thing that's not going to happen is retaliation i've said often that nothing in american history has ever been changed through mere conversation you've never been able to talk the powers that be into just doing things it always has to be forced And while I'm usually the person that says I'm not pushing, condoning or promoting violence, you have to wonder where are the scales? Where is the balance? How many times can white folks just kill us for whatever weird ass self-created rationale they have in the moment? And it's just viewed as that. Now, granted, both have now been arrested, but this situation was two months old with video behind it. I saw a tweet. I don't remember who the gentleman was, but they said that these white men were not arrested because they saw the video. They meaning the authorities. They were arrested because we finally saw the video. No video means that this man gets murdered in cold blood and nothing happens. I pause right now because I want to be very responsible yet clear with what I say. At some point, the animal that is being attacked aggressively that is being hunted either is going to strike back or is going to be eliminated. And I just really wonder what we are. I'm at a point now where I look at our culture, I look at the things we do, and I don't know if it's just the present error or us overall. As black folks, we talk a lot. 
We talk real hard. We talk real aggressive. When push comes to shove, are we really that about it versus anybody but ourselves? Oh, we'll go at and, you know, and shoot up and kill and murder and retaliate against our own. But when other people do things, it's a whole lot of kumbaya and let's forgive and be the bigger person. Let's march. Let's rally. Let's ask our elected officials to change laws and introduce new legislation, which never happens. But we'll clap back and bang back on somebody that looks just like us with the highest level of violence. I don't get it. I don't get it. And it makes me realize that if things really got ugly, what are folks going to do? How are you going to protect you and yours? Because it still seems to be hunting season on black folks. And I'm just curious what happens if the shoe was ever on the other foot. If a black man in a state where he could be armed and carry was aggressively approached or felt like he was in danger and shot and killed somebody would it be so understood stand your ground hmm? would that work for us I feel like it wouldn't but you know you're not even putting yourselves in that position I speak about us you know talking and talking a lot and not really Standing behind the talk. Um, Zimmerman is still running around. That guy decided to be judge, jury, and executioner for a child. Murdered a, murdered a kid. And has joked and laughed and mocked it since. And he's still running around. Breathing fresh air. How does that happen? People talk about the streets, the streets. That's what so many people need to keep the streets out of their, their mouths because it's not part of their DNA. It's not part of how they were brought up. It's not part of what they've experienced. And it just sounds cool because of exposure to movies and hip hop. There's nobody's handling anything. Hey, what's his face? Um, six nine just came home, right? Went to Stan and told on what was believed to be some of the most dangerous people in the streets of New York. And he's back making fun, talking reckless, putting out music and earning money off the culture again. Again, I'm not saying for violence to happen. I'm just curious of how long people expect the same actions to result in a different outcome. How many different ways are you going to meet violence and disrespect with calm and passive communication yet expect something to change that won't result in someone else being disrespectful and violent against us? I know now that I'm a father, the idea of protection has changed. I was always protective in regards to my family. I thought about my parents. My parents are grown. They're of an age where, you know, running isn't a part of my parents' life. And I don't mean that in terms of running like fear. I mean, physically running. My parents are of age. They're not athletic people. They're not running. They're not going to be jumping over fences or something bad happens something presents itself whatever is going to go down is going to go down where they are I'm the mobile one I'm the one that can move I'm the one that could jump punch leap fight you know so I take that on as you know at my age I'm the one that now looks over and looks to that level of activity where necessary and now that I have a son again protection him his mother and I have to now put myself in hypothetical situations what would happen if this 
took place? Would you be ready for it? What would happen if this came to your doorstep? Would you be ready for it? And things that I have not wanted to consider and things that I have not really wanted to be a part of my life, I now have to think about and will make a part of my life to make sure that me and mine survive anything. It's crazy times out there and we have to be ready. There's nothing wrong with self-preservation. There's nothing wrong with looking to protect yourself. The right to live and exist is a universal one. No one needs to put that into law. No one needs to write that down on paper to understand that. And you might just have to make people understand that. And finally, and finally, I want to end this Who's Talking edition with the last lesson that hit my life in the past week. Honesty, self-reflection, accountability. There's a saying that goes, the road to hell is littered with good intentions. People who in their mind thought they were doing good things, but in the narrow sight of them focused on a goal, did bad things in the process of trying to get there. Now that varies greatly because there are people who have good intentions whose intentions are literally horrid. So the things that they do to get there are equally ugly. Then there are people who literally have good intentions, but because they're not looking at the big picture can do things in the process that don't help bring about a positive end game. And I was made aware of this in a situation that popped up very unexpectedly. So I had to tape back and look at it and say, yeah, Jay, that's, that's poor execution right there. That's not thinking about the whole situation, the whole matter at hand. And, you know, as an adult, you should know better. Yes, you had, you know, good intentions in mind, but you can't be so narrow sighted on how you execute things. Okay, cool. That definitely makes sense. And again, one thing over the past couple of years since I left New York is that I've been very quick to pick up on errors, mistakes, take my L's and make sure I don't repeat them. I was also reminded about the care and love and respect of myself and to also be very di diligent with how I interact with people and what I allow around me and what constitutes friendship and what are the things that I can accept and not accept in regards to what people do. We're in a time where talk flies fast and loose and ego can be a very ugly thing. So, you know, I caught a couple of unexpected lessons in the midst of some really good things because this last week had a lot of stuff take place that was really positive and really you know felt felt good and uplifting to me in the day so in the process of taking an l i was kind of able to put everything in in its place but something that frustrated me and bothered me in the moment and then when i sat on it thought about it was able to pull out the necessary lessons then look at the elements that i didn't accept think about it more then in a completely unrelated phone call for my mom about other things, really told me like, look, the world keeps spinning. You need to do what you need to do. Focus on what you need to be focused on. And again, additional lessons were pulled from the matter. And it just makes me say for myself, you know what? As long as I'm human, I might not know what they are now. They're going to be errors. They're going to be mistakes. They're going to be missteps that I take along the path. And I just hope and pray that when I stumble, I'm able to 
see what I did, acknowledge and accept it, and then be able to to push forward, to be able to get up. And I hope that for everybody, as I, as I talk to people dealing with what's going on in the world and going on in their lives, that I just want to see everybody be good and everybody make it. You know, folks, folks deserve that for the the work and the energy and the things they do. You know, people deserve to be happy. That's really, that's really all I'd like to see. So, hopefully, going into this week, we're already halfway through May. We're gonna be tapping on summer before we know it. And it's incredible how time is flying now. I've got this boy's fourth birthday coming up, and even that's blowing my mind as it is. But I hope all of y'all are good. I hope you stay safe. Be careful with these soft openings that some of these cities are trying to pull on us. Please take your time. Do not rush to be back in the crowds. Please think about, you know, yourselves, you know, the loved ones in your lives that could be affected by this COVID COVID disease, even if you're not necessarily the most susceptible to it. And, you know, take care. I'll keep your heads up. Peace.